This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. Well, as we said at the top of our broadcast, this is a trusted Wall Street voice. We're so glad to have back with us someone who really understands the world of bank debt and the credit world. He's worked in it for several decades. Peter Gleistein is back with us. He's CEO and CIO at AGL Credit Management. They've got roughly $3 billion in assets under management. And he joins us on the phone from New York City. Peter, so good to have you back with us us. How are you? How's your world? Um, well, I am excellent, Carol and Jason. I hope both of you and all your friends and family are also well. Yeah, we're doing okay. So tell us about the credit world, because we are certainly watching very closely. It looks like things are working fairly smoothly. What are you seeing from your perspective? Uh, that's a very good description of the new issue loan market. It's at relatively low levels historically. But eligible, strong borrowers can come to market and raise capital. That's a really positive thing. It's, it's also very attractive for investors because these borrowers are, are paying more. So the risk-adjusted returns are much higher than previously. Another comment I'll make from an investor's vantage point is that most of the borrowers who have come to the broadly syndicated loan new issue market since covid last six to eight weeks are much stronger borrowers than the typical average borrower. So that it's logical that that strong, well-managed companies, not that many, many other and smaller companies aren't also well-managed, are taking the opportunity of the conservative step to raise additional cash and put it on the balance sheet because the market is open for them to do that. And they're doing it because, you know, the unprecedented uncertainties ahead. I'll add that the so-called secondary market, which is the actively traded market for already existing loans, which are approximately 1.3 trillion in broadly syndicated loans, um, many, um, all those loans um, have sold off. In that sense, the loan markets are highly disconnected from the equity markets that we hear hear about and read about every day. Um, and but the point I want to make is in this very large population of loans in excess of a trillion, there are, are there haves and have nots in the sense that many of these borrowers, the majority of them are performing well, you know, they're affected by circumstances clearly, but they're performing well, they're resilient, have capital structures that are such that will enable them to not go through this storm, but through this scale, this is like a kind of a perpetual scale. Uh, but n- notwithstanding that there's, their prices um, are severely discounted, so it's an investment opportunity. Right. Clearly, there are many that that are many companies that that you wouldn't want to invest in um, as a regular investor because they're um, they're quite challenged. Well, th- that's exactly what what I wanted to talk about, Peter. Because you know, for those of our listeners who aren't as fluent, you're beyond fluent. You're a, a you teach a master class in in the credit markets, but. You know, part of what it sounds like you're saying and it is important to remind folks about is that this is actually a clearer window into the health of companies than we get from watching the vicissitudes, as it were, uh, of the equity markets uh, bouncing around, right? That's an excellent point, Jason. So what the, what the recession has done, it's created high, high visibility 
into borrowers that can survive a really bad, any recession, never mind a bad recession, and the ones that cannot. I mean, in normal times, you really, you know, to, to quote Warren Buffett, until the tide goes out, you can't see, you can't see what's going on completely. But in this case, um, it's, it's very, very visible. So what's happened is there are many borrowers that are clearly challenged, but there's so many that that um, that are resilient and are, are great investment opportunities. So they're, um, in addition to the fact that the market's open for qualified borrowers to raise capital, both for new loans but also old ones, there's plenty of investment opportunity. You know, there's so, there's um, no please continue. The, yeah, the market reaction can be to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Kind of. So, well, that's a good point. And so where where do you see the opportunities right now where people might get confused and actually throw the baby out with the bathwater? Where are you seeing those opportunities that you've got to make the distinctions? Um, well, that's a great question. I would say that most um, most investors and also most asset managers uh, look at credit quality and also the subject of portfolio diversification, which is a really key point. Um through, through the lens of the industry that the borrower is performing in. Uh, but more important than the industry that a borrower is in is, is what the business that, that a borrower has, um, how correlated it is to GDP, to the economy. Because you, you can have, there are many industries who, um, where there's credit risk, but the, the credit risk is dispersed over time as opposed to occurring at single points in time, like a recession. Mm. Um, so so there, I'll pick some obvious examples, and there are also some surprises. An obvious example is food, mm. um, or food supply, or food storage, or the transportation of food. Um, there are many, there are many, 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 one of the fastest for years, one of the largest now and fastest growing um, parts of our economy has been business software. Um, in many cases, uh, the business model is for strong recurring revenue, which has high switching costs and, and good competitive positions. Um, there, there are many kinds of business services. Think of Iron Mountain or document storage or, mm-hmm. um, or even building security right. um, or, even, or even insurance brokerage or, broad, or broadband, people getting Internet access, never mind defense. There are many um, either – Industries or subsectors within industries that uh, the term that AGL uses is are a recessionary. Yes, there's credit risk, but the credit risk isn't um, has low to no correlation with actual GDP. So, Peter, I want to shift the conversation a little bit, if we can. You're a Wall Street veteran. This has been, to say the least, a tumultuous time on Wall Street, and not just for the usual reasons of we've got a crisis, we're trying to figure out how to invest through it. We are trying to essentially reinvent Wall Street. It feels like, or Wall Street is trying to reinvent itself on a number of fronts. One is from a remote perspective, and one is a long overdue reckoning with a lot of racial injustice, a lot of a lack of diversity, and so many elements that We've all been talking so much more about. Let's start, if we can, on how Wall Street changes in its operation coming out on the other side of this as we try to figure out what the new Wall Street looks like. 
That's a great question, Jason. Um, let me kind of work backwards. So I think you mentioned, um, you know, the need, of course, for more diversity, special racial, especially racial diversity, and also the challenge that the new, the new modality of working remotely. So what this is all presenting is an opportunity, especially because we've seen that financial services, investment banking, even trading, all aspects of finance um, can be very effectively done remotely. There's a lot of pieces that are missing um, from human contact, but it means there's an opportunity to effectively start with a clean sheet of paper. So what we're dealing with are, are legacy cultures, business frameworks, systems. There's an opportunity now to say, okay, well, if we can take it to the next level, and if in many, maybe not all cases, but in many cases, assume that we can build it from scratch or have a better policy from scratch, Let's do that. So one of the, you know, coming back to diversity, one of the things that working remotely does is it forces you to rethink anything that you were just in the habit of doing. So in, in the real world, a lot of what we did, we did it that way because we always did it, or that's what our right. forebears, which kind of was a default or incumbency legacy mode. Um, working virtually has illuminated that um, a lot of things, including that, you don't have to get a lot of things done. You can even do it faster in some ways better in some ways not, um, but without the traditional way of doing it. It also um, makes it clearer and cleaner to, to be objective. Um, it, it, um, we, all, we all have, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, embedded biases, subconscious biases. But um, when, you're, when you're working remotely and you're not – you're looking at actual information and actual performance. It's easier to to compare it, appreciate it, understand it, respect it, um, without without kind of the lenses of uh, kind of our our culture or or proclivities, whatever they may be. So I think there's a real opportunity to take things to a new level. I think it's going to be hard. I'll just make one more comment about working virtual. I think it's hardest on our our youngest um, colleagues. Um, across the industry because, you know, they're learning, they need feedback. And some feedback, of course, needs to be, is, is um, for lack of a better term, is, is not in a written or virtual form. You actually need to have, have, um, have, have a human presence or social proximity, um, especially to learn and, and, and to um, see how you're making progress. But I do think it is a huge opportunity. I can't believe how how effective and productive, um, much more so than I could have ever expected AGL has been. In fact, you mentioned our size. Um, just since COVID, we have done two securitizations, working virtually, entire firms working virtually, totaling a billion dollars. It's actually the most that any, any manager has done since COVID. So um, that just is testimony to how effective, how effective uh, not being in a physical environment is I do think it's going to be a blend of the two in the future. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's going to be. But I do, to the more important question, it, I think it's incumbent it's on all firms of all sizes and types to take the responsibility to, to make it a better work environment, a fairer environment, and more opportunity for all. Got I could just keep going talking about this. I have one last question. And I want to go back. Forgive me. It's a bit of a turn, but you know, you sent over and you shared some notes with us and you said we are in a recession and there is higher risk everywhere. 
How concerned are you, Peter, about the economic outlook, what it looks like when we get on the other side of this? And we've just got about a minute, minute 20 left. Very concerned. I'm more concerned about the pace of the recovery, how fast it is, um, how wide it is, and, and also the possibility that we can have kind of setbacks, hopefully not from from a second wave, especially a bad second wave. But I, but I do want to point out that um, um, it, it's not one size fits all. Um, many businesses are, are, are not only surviving, um, and for investors, depend focusing on, on the right opportunities or the step shift increase in, in terms of risk adjusted returns. But I am, but this re- reason that they're higher is for the reason you just said. There's just so much uncertainty. Yeah. It's on an unprecedented level of it. Absolutely. Well, we really uh, enjoy catching up with you whenever we get a chance to. Peter Gleistein, CEO, Chief Investment Officer of AGL Credit Management. Just one of those thoughtful voices on Wall Street, Carol, that we love checking in with. He has sort of just a calming way about him that basically says, here's where we are. Here's how we're going to figure it out. I love his point about the objectivity that comes with distance. 